Welcome everyone to Hikes Peak. It's time for the transfer special where we will break down the top 25 transfers to watch for in the Mountain West for this season and to help us learn about all of the conference's fresh faces. Here with me is the one and only Mike Whitman. Hey Jack, thanks for having me on today. So we will get right into this real quick. If your favorite transfer isn't on this list, it doesn't mean we don't like that player. We researched 129 different players for this episode and it was so hard to get the exact right amount of players for this episode. So obviously we aren't going to go over all 129 transfers coming into the Mountain (laughs) West. That doesn't mean we hate 104 of the transfers. There was going to be a ton of guys that show up in stat sheets and show up and win games for teams that we aren't going to talk about. But this is just a kind of a starting point for you guys to get to know some of these names that are going to be affecting games in the conference this year. So with that out of the way, we'll start with Air Force. With Air Force, as many of you may know, they do not accept um, any transfers or hardly ever accept transfers. Due to their academic standards and requirements, it's hard to transfer into an academy. So they do not have any transfers on this list. Acknowledging them just so people aren't saying, hey, what about the Falcons? So now we will go to the next team, which is Boise State. We're going to start off with a defensive tackle Sheldon Newton who is 6 foot 6, 330 pounds from Northern Arizona. He spent 3 seasons with the Lumberjacks and he had 65 tackles, 5 sacks, almost 10 tackles for loss. He was unranked out of California, but he is just an absolute people mover. He is an explosive pass rusher. Obviously, he's not the fastest at 330 pounds, but he can still move pretty decently for a D-tackle and obviously Herbert Gums will be one of these starting D-tackles for Boy- Boise State, but that second guy is kind of up in the air. Sheldon Newton could definitely factor into the equation. Yeah, you know, when I was doing the recruiting breakdown all the way back in February for Boise State, I watched Newton on film and he actually reminded me a little bit of a guy who just exited the Broncos roster, and that's Divine Obachary. I think it'll be a similar type mold of a player. Should generate some interior pass rush there. The guy that stuck out for me coming from Wisconsin was safety Titus Toll. He's a guy who was a highly rated recruit back when he came in, coming from powerhouse St. John Bosco in California. Very athletic, a lot of speed. He moves fast on the field. He's a great tackler, despite not being a huge guy for a safety. Listed at 5'11", maybe maybe even 5'10 and a half, something like that. Got some good tackles in. He's kind of looking for a change of scenery due to some injuries. Thankfully, Boise State is actually looking for some safeties after the departure of Ty Jones and NFL draft pick JL Skinner. So I would expect Toyota to come in and compete at one of the safety spots or possibly that nickel role. His tackling, playing up in the box might actually uh, play up some of his ability. It's certainly going to be interesting to see how Andy Avalos uses Titus Toller kind of as a chess piece because he could definitely be a starting safety, but he could also be using that nickel role because, you know, he's super athletic. Yeah, he's a bit undersized, but he's a super hard hitter, so he can definitely help you against the run. Titus Toller is definitely a name to watch this year another guy could definitely see winning or losing some games for the broncos is going to be texas tech offensive tackle ethan card who is six foot eight 320 pounds so he's a big guy one of the biggest holes on the offensive line for boise state is that right tackle spot so ethan card 
could certainly be that answer. It's going to be a big help if he is. He was a former Juco guy from Kansas. And after a couple seasons at Texas Tech, where he was just kind of a rotational piece, he moves to Boise State, where I would assume he's come for hopefully some starting reps, but he could also be that kind of rotational piece that he was at Texas Tech. He's going to be a very intriguing guy starting at right tackle. I guess comparisons pop in my head reminds me not necessarily how he plays, but just where he's coming from the last O-line transfer that the Broncos got again from Texas Tech was Will Farrar and he was kind of that sixth man on the offensive line initially started right tackle I'm not 100% sure on that but he played a lot of games at center he would shift up to one of the guard spots Ethan is also versatile if he doesn't get a starting job I think you'd see him in a swing role where he steps in and maybe ends up starting or playing significantly in a lot of games I know for a fact he played tackle and guard during his three years at Lubbock so that's definitely going to be a big plus for him let me take a step back before i I talk about the next player on my list just so listeners know when i was putting together my list of names for each team i wasn't looking at the highest rated transfer or even necessarily the one coming with the biggest amount of stats i was trying to look at what teams were trying to do when they uh, brought this transfer in maybe a hole that they were trying to fill maybe which transfers could potentially make the most impact or just had the most to prove with the strategy of the coaches so that's where I'm where I'm really coming from here and I think that's on display here when I'm talking about the transfer for Utah who's a, a Dion or an, an edge is the term these days Tyler Wiegas just so people know I'm not great at pronouncing names so if that's not <laughs> how we pronounce it apologies Tyler why I chose him um, I'm looking for one of the transfers uh, coming into on the edge for the Broncos to step up and make an impact maybe it'll be Tyler maybe it'll be Cheese Wright or they need help in the pass rushing game they brought in two transfers one of them needs to make an impact and kind of step up so Tyler coming from Utah Boise State actually recruited him coming out of high school hasn't gotten in a lot of games just a few tackles I think maybe maybe just one tackle over three seasons tremendous size he's listed 6'6 over 240 moves pretty well could definitely see where he could make an impact but also we're, we're high in projectability here so it's a bit of a mystery yeah hopefully Tyler Wiegas can put it all together and if he becomes that other starting edge alongside Dimitri Washington. It's going to be a lot for Mountain West offensive lines to handle between Herbert Gums, potentially Sheldon Newton, or Tyler Wiegas, and then Dimitri Washington. It's a lot to handle. Yeah, we can see the plan on paper. I'm interested to see how it works out. Next, we will move on to Fort Collins with Colorado State. So as someone who covers Colorado State, I can assure listeners that the running back room is the biggest question mark for the Rams coming into this season. And Kobe Johnson, the North Dakota State transfer, is certainly the guy that they would hope can answer that question. Their leading rusher from last year, Avery Morrow, currently not with the team. So there's going to be a lot on the shoulders of these two transfers. The one I picked to talk about, of course, Kobe Johnson. He's only five foot nine, 188 pounds, so he's not the biggest. He's got excellent downhill speed and he runs angry if you are in his way you are going to be put onto your back and obviously he's had a lot of tread on the tires for a division one back especially somebody kind of making that jump from fcs to fbs you know he's had 48 games over 2500 rush yards over his career he's already shown he can handle the running back one workload at north dakota state if he can stay healthy he could be a very big contributor for this rams team yeah no good selection jack i, I kind of 
had to, I'll admit, I, I smile a little bit when I saw this, not because I think it's a bad selection, just because it's a little bit at odds from something readers may have noticed when I you know, doing the round tables or, or things like that. Because I agree with you, running back is such a huge hole for the Rams right now. And they're, they're a past happy offense to begin with. Damian Henderson, who was one of the running backs that they mm-hmm. signed in this 2023 class and was actually my number two recruit in all of the Mountain West in this class. Running the ship, he's he's going to be my freshman of the year vote, offensive Ooh. freshman of the year vote, where I'm kind of thinking he might either split carries or take over that starting role at running back by the season's end. Yeah, it's just kind of funny that we're a little bit at odds there, so I'm interested to see how it works out. There's always going to be true freshmen that come in right away and contribute. Yeah. Damian Henderson the second could definitely be one of those guys. He's got a lot more size than these transfer options do, with both mm-hmm. of them being under 5'10". KJ Edwards is also 5'10". Damian Henderson the second could also definitely be a guy who makes some noise. My selection for Colorado State, kind of a, a representative for, for the point I want to make. So I went with offensive tackle Drew Moss. He's transfer coming over from Lamar. He's started every game he's been over the past two seasons. 22 games, 22 starts. Projected to be the starting right tackle for the Rams. The Rams have brought in, I think, three offensive line transfers mm-hmm. as well as a few junior college players. One of their primary goals this season was to rebuild the offensive line who did not give Clay too much time to pass. It may be one of the reasons that the, the air raid offense stalled last year. I'm not going to pretend I know more than the coaching staff, but I guess I'll pretend a little bit as I contradict myself. I'm interested to see how this project shakes out. I think it's a little bit of a gamble. And the reason I say that, I guess, with trying to address the primary need offensive line, I, I guess I expected maybe a few more high profile transfers. I, I don't know. Like you said, Jack, you cover the team. Am I off base? Am I on base? What do you think? I mean, it's certainly an ambitious plan. Between running back, offensive line, tight end, you're going to have five right. transfers immediately starting. So that's a lot that you're plugging in and you are going to need to work immediately, which obviously is a lot easier said than done. That being said, I think they have some really high character guys. They interviewed some of these newcomers on uh, Colorado State's YouTube channel and all three of the incoming transfers. And I'll also include uh, Tavis Tuoti, who mm-hmm. was a defensive lineman who's now going to be starting at right guard, I believe. Oliver Jervis from Monmouth mm-hmm. and Savion Henderson from Lane College, which is a D2 school. Even if they aren't coming from the biggest place, they're coming with a pretty solid track record with a lot of starts in a row. Mm-hmm. And obviously, these are all going to be guys that are j- taking a jump in competition, which could definitely have an adjustment period. So that could be shaky for a bit. But these are also guys that have at least one more year of eligibility. So this is an offense as a whole that's going to grow together. And I think even if there are some bumps in the road, I think it's definitely going in the right direction. I think Ram fans have a lot to be excited about, even if there are probably going to be some hiccups along the way. And then one more player on the Colorado State offense we're going to spotlight here is BYU junior tight end Dolan Holker, who did join BYU in 2018, and then he spent two years on a mission. But after three seasons as a football player in Provo, he had 22 games, 42 catches, over 500 receiving yards, and three touchdowns. He never really became the full-time starting tight end. This was a guy that certainly showed some good speed. He showed some good hands. The route running isn't anything crazy. He's going to have a huge role on this team. Colorado State last year did not get a ton of production out of their tight end, so they did add two transfer tight ends. They did also add Vince Brown, a Juco mm-hmm. ad who's six foot seven. He'll certainly be a red zone threat. But Dolan Halker is going 
going to be tight end one and he's going to be expected to produce like one we will see if that actually happens yeah on paper really like this pick for the reasons that you said um, we've seen what the air raid offense this coaching staff can do with tight ends i mean cole turner was an nfl draft pick after breaking out at nevada so so not expecting cole turner like production necessarily but i think we've seen that they can utilize tight ends as well as anybody in the mountain west and the next team up is going to be the fresno state bulldogs <laughs> My pick here was quarterback Mikey Keene. The reason I went here is because the Bulldogs need a new quarterback. Mountain West Player of the Year, Jake Hayner departing. I thought Mikey Keene was a really solid pick for them. There were a lot of rumors before signing day that he was going there. So this is a transfer from Central Florida. Kind of a part-time starter, I guess is the way to put it. 15 games over the last two seasons. Put up 2,300 passing yards, 23 TDs. Had some interceptions. Completed 65% of his passes. I think this is a great guy to slide into the starting role for the Bulldogs. We saw last year when Hayner got hurt what the offense looked like or really what what it didn't look like when Hayner was out and some other quarterbacks were in. So I think it was a priority to add a quarterback. And if the Bulldogs want to reload on offense, which they will need to after losing so much production, I think Keen is the player that will need to kind of step up and make that impact. Yeah, absolutely. Mikey Keen obviously is the clear heir to the throne that Jake Hayner has left. And if he can't assume that throne there's certainly going to be some problems because there's so many question marks on that fresno state offense forget pay- turning the page it's a whole new book that they're going through <laughs> yeah. other thing i didn't mention was you know you can't underscore the jeff tedford factor when it comes to quarterbacks he develops them as well as anybody in the conference really as well as anybody on the west coast in college football so being there for spring ball in the summer really interested to see what keen looks like so next up i'm going to go with kent state senior safety dean clark he had four seasons as a pretty solid player for the Golden Flashes, 34 games. He had over 150 tackles, five deflections, had an interception and a forced fumble in there. He certainly had some injury history that could be concerning, but at 6'1", 206, he's a very athletic for that size. He's a good tackler. He's a guy that you can certainly expect to be the Bulldogs starting strong safety. And if he can stay healthy and if he can make a lot of plays that a lot of plays that with his 6'1 frame and his athleticism, a lot of plays that not a lot of guys can make. You could definitely expect to see Clark making some really important plays this year. I do know Fresno State, again, uh, the the best player on the defensive side or one of their best players on defense, replacing Evan Williams. So Clark Mm -hmm. would be very important to step into a a safety role. Looks like he can produce immediately. All right, so next we got Hawaii. Here I decided to go with offensive lineman Joshua Atkins coming over from Houston. Big frame, six foot four, listed at 315 pounds. A little bit of an unknown, has not gotten into any games in his two seasons down in Texas. I remember him being a pretty sought after recruit. I think a number of Mountain West teams were after him or offered him. So the name stuck out to me as kind of a bounce back guy. Again, Hawaii needs they need players, right? Guys, mm-hmm. competitors, Mountain West level players. I think Atkins fits the mold there. He mm-hmm. should step into a role, maybe not a starting role right away, but a, but a key role. He should play a lot for the Rainbow Warriors this year. If you watch their games last year, especially on defense, but a little bit on offense too, they were just outclassed in a lot of ways. They had, they had some pretty good players, but then the drop-off from good players to mm-hmm. maybe guys who shouldn't be playing FBS football um, or at least starting was pretty vast. 
yeah. Sometimes I watched the, I think it was the Vanderbilt game. Hawaii played early on the season when guys were just kind of running up the middle, turning that into 25, 30, 40 yard gains just with simple cuts. So again, just hoping Atkins can, can kind of step in and just fill a role as a dependable guy. There's certainly some disheartening aspects of Timmy Chang's first year as the head coach, but he's definitely done pretty solid in bringing in some really good transfers and Josh Atkins, obviously it's not going to go from three and 10 to 10 and three in one year, but you get a guy like Josh Atkins, who even if he's not going to start right away, you know, you can plug him in at say left tackle, or you can plug him in at right guard because really the only surefire starter on that offensive line is Aliki Tanuvasa. You know, yeah. you can put him somewhere and he's not going to get destroyed. He's not going to get, yes, he can hold his own. And that yeah. there's a lot of more high profile transfers that Hawaii was able to get. Like you mentioned, Timmy Chan, I think has been great at selling Hawaii as a bounce back program for local recruits coming back to the islands or, or just guys looking for a second chance to play. Yeah, I'm trying to key on like what's going to fill maybe a hole of, of not a star, but just a dependable, reliable starter mm-hmm. or, or guy on the 2D. Yeah, speaking of Timmy Chang making this a real bounce back destination, no transfer may have shown that more than when he landed Wyoming cornerback Cam Stone, who was one of the most sought after guys in the transfer portal in the conference this year. And he kept him in conference, which mm-hmm. I, I'm sure Stone was hearing from Power 5 programs at some point. He's only 5'10", 180, so he's not the biggest guy. But over his three seasons, he had two interceptions, 10 deflections. He was the definition of a shutdown corner, and he's super athletic. That makes up for his lack of size, so it's not like you can just bomb deep balls on him. He, he's similar to Michael Anyanwu, where even though his lack of size is certainly an aspect of his game, he's so athletic and he's such a smart player that it doesn't really overtake how good he is as a ball player. He's going to be CB1 on that team, but obviously there's going to need to be more guys on that secondary that step up. Yeah, I think Stone is, is a great, great get for Hawaii. He can step into a starting role immediately, become a playmaker, at cornerback. One thing I've noticed with Wyoming recruiting under this coaching staff is that they take athletes and put them in the, the secondary, and they like to put them on defense, and I think Cam Stone really fits that mold there as a, as a very athletic cornerback. Yeah, I think he can plug in and, and maybe be kind of an all-conference performer right away for them. Now we go to Reno with Ken Wilson and Nevada. <laughs> First up, this was kind of an obvious choice here. Oregon running back Sean Dollars, who was a very highly touted prospect coming out of high school. Thanks to injuries and being kind of buried on the depth chart, he didn't really reach his full potential at Oregon, but he really did have some really big flashes, 316 rushing yards, and he was a, he was incredible in the receiving game as well with 18 catches and 144 receiving yards. He's obviously going to play a much bigger role with Nevada than he did with Oregon, and if he can stay healthy, which is a bit of a question mark, He's not a guy that's going to be seeking contact. Certainly a guy you would consider the most durable, but with how dynamic of a player if he is, if he's on the field, he's going to make so many plays for the Wolfpack. One thing I've really noticed about Ken Wilson is he, being a former Oregon coach, pulls a lot of players from mm-hmm. Oregon. Andy Avalos also came from Oregon and has not done quite the same thing, whether that's by design or hasn't had as much luck, but Ken Wilson is really pulling from Oregon. Just a guy who can kind of be the focal point of an offense a little bit, in my opinion. 
opinion. Like you said, he's not going to be the physical guy, but a guy that you can do a lot with. Running game, passing game, maybe have out in the flat a little more. Just allow them to be a little more creative and dynamic on offense. For my pick, I'm staying right in the same position for Nevada. And I'm going with Ashton Hayes, who was another kind of more high-profile running back. Hayes is coming from Cal. Only played one season there. Got in seven games. Mainly on special teams as a kick returner. So have that at their disposal. Can hopefully boost the special teams a bit more. I see him as a little bit different of, of a running back, maybe a, a compliment. A little bit taller, weigh, weighs about the same, but maybe can do a little bit more traditional running back things. Hometown kid coming back, so like we were talking about Hawaii, Nevada is doing a little similar thing where bring some guys home back in the state. I kind of like or hope that the dollars haste tandem is a little bit like the two running backs that they had last season. Kind of use that one-two punch. My hope for Nevada is that they can start establishing a little bit more of an identity on both sides of the ball but offensively if, if you're gonna be a running team you might as well stack the team with running backs so i think between dollars and hayes just have that one-two punch like i was saying kind of run 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 in hopes that you can do something successful and then start to develop the passing game behind that kind of keeping in the same vein of guys that are going to help in the running game their new quarterback this year who will be starting is coming from colorado brendan lewis the sophomore who in 2021 he got the majority of the starting reps for Colorado didn't really start a ton in 2022 he had a 58% completion rate 1700 pass yards 10 touchdowns three interceptions and he also ran for 300 yards and three touchdowns so is another guy that hopefully can help establish that identity that Ken Wilson is clearly trying to instill with kind of a run heavy offense a team that can kind of beat you in a lot of different ways on the ground with some you know creative play calls and stuff like that he's got a solid arm he's really mobile obviously he can be a bit spotty on the decision making end but that also again you learn the more you play and he didn't get to play a ton in he started double digit games in 2021 but we're still about a year and a half removed from that so he could be a lot smarter of a player now we just haven't seen him on the field so he's a guy that i think could really do a lot of good for nevada i hope so i'm a little bit more skeptical at quarterback than i'm at running back i guess mainly because they brought in high profile quarterback transfer last year it didn't really pan out going back to the drawing board this year hope it's a more successful endeavor like you're saying maybe that dual threatness that ability to make plays with his legs kind of just yeah runs into that same vein of while we're trying to figure out what we can do we know we can be a good running team good enough strategy for for ken wilson nevada right now so i'm excited to see what it looks like next up we're looking at the new mexico lobos they have felt victim to the transfer portal two years in a row now. A lot of players leaving. Danny Gonzalez and his staff have done a pretty good job finding recruits, bringing them in, developing them, and then unfortunately seeing them leave after a year or two or other environments, let's say. So I know Coach Gonzalez in December in, in a press conference said they're trying to alter their their philosophy on bringing in players and recruiting. They're leaning more heavily on, on transfers and, and junior college players this year than they have in the past still recruiting locally still recruiting high school players but mixing up that ratio a little bit and i think that's in hopes of well if we're bringing in transfers they're less likely to transfer back out if they're productive and i totally get where he's coming from you know all, all credit to, to danny gonzalez doing his best to, to build something consistent and successful in albuquerque not easy he inherited a mess i want him to succeed like i, I said in last week's round table here he's running out of time i think he needs to show something but i like 
like what he's doing here. So revamping the offense, bringing a new offensive coordinator, um, Brian Vincent coming out of UAB. You know, with that being said, I think the Lobos are putting all their eggs all in one basket right now. So bringing Brian Vincent, he's bringing with him quarterback and a wide receiver. So I, I went with quarterback Dylan Hopkins, a little bit more high profile for, for New Mexico than some of my other picks here. Comes in, played four seasons, 4,700 passing yards, it looks like, 31 touchdown in the 32 games he's been in. So can definitely produce. Reports out of the spring game, he didn't necessarily run away with the offense. I was kind of hoping to, to hear a little bit more. I think this is a good move for the Lobos. I, I like what they're doing. Like I said, there, there'll be some continuity between offensive corner, between quarterback, you, even a wide receiver mixed in. So people will know the system. If anything's going to work, it's going to be this move. So again, on paper, I see what they're doing. I approve of it. We'll see what happens when the games get going. I think you're absolutely right with what you said about putting all your eggs in one basket because if Dylan Hopkins goes down, it is not going to be a good season for New Mexico. I'm not even sure who their next quarterback in line would be, which how much of this season is relying on kind of the building blocks that UAB had already set up. A former interim UAB coach, Brian Vincent, if Dylan Hopkins was to go down, this would be a tough scene. But on the other side, if he can excel to kind of what we saw in 2020, where he was playing his best football and he was really showing how he can be not so much of a dual threat, but he can move when he has to. And he's got a really solid arm. He's a playmaker. And if he can stay on the field, he could certainly win some games for the Lobos. On the defensive side of the ball, they added a really solid safety in Darko Perkins McAllister from TCU. He's a junior in his two seasons at Fort Worth. He had 13 games, seven tackles, tackle for loss and deflection. Nothing too crazy. It was kind of just a rotational piece on that national championship runner-up team. He's a former four-star recruit from Tennessee, so obviously a very highly touted guy. At 6'1", 195, he's certainly not typical strong safety build, so you would expect him to be more of a kind of free safety role. He's uber-athletic, so he's going to be making some plays in the passing game. Hopefully he can develop into a ball hawk, but a lot of me putting him on this list is because we didn't get to see him really spread his wings at TCU. He was just Mm kind of on the field, off the field, coming in for third downs, coming off. I would assume he's going to be on the field almost every play for the Lobos, and I want to see if he can improve some of those things that are kind of knocks on him, if he can improve his open field tackling, if he can show that he can help out in the run game, then, you know, Darko Perkins McAllister, you know, he could even be a guy that gets drafted because, you know, he's got that NFL pedigree. I don't think there's anything wrong with looking for transfers coming out of TCU after they were playing in the the national championship game. And, And like you were saying, he was a situational player. That tells me he has a defined strength. And I think New Mexico, just like Hawaii, maybe looking for players who can do at least a few things well. They might get exposed and having to be an every down player rather than a, a sub package player. But if nothing else, I'd look for him to replace their their freshman phenom, Adari Halsey Jr., who left to Houston. Mm-hmm. was quite unsettling for, for New Mexico. Really quick, I want to jump back. You said, not sure who the, the backup would be oh, um, yeah. if Hopkins goes down. Kind of made me laugh. Uh, unfortunately for New Mexico, I, I want to say I don't have the exact number with me, but in Gonzalez's three years, I would easily think that they've had over 10 quarterbacks start a game for them. Um, I know they had a lot of injuries at quarterback. At one point, they brought in a walk-on who ended up starting a handful of games for them one year, and it just kind of been a revolving door trying to find what works. Um, They did actually bring in two transfer quarterbacks in this class. The other one would be David Charles Tabscott, I think is how we were. Oh, D.C. Tabscott, that's right. Yes, D.C., yes. So he would probably be the other guy. Again, a few 
few of them played in the spring game. I don't think Hopkins was necessarily, he hasn't been anointed the starter yet officially, or they were just mixing things in with, with Hopkins getting most of the starting reps. But a few guys played, and, and I want to say that from what I remember of this spring game, there were, there were quite a few interceptions. There's still a lot of guys in that room, but like you said, it's if plan A doesn't work, it could turn south and, and hurt. We've seen that with New Mexico the past two seasons, getting two wins in September and then just kind of really not being able to keep up with the rest of the year. All right, on to San Diego State with Brady Hope. this one was a little tough for me only because you know I think you went with the obvious choice which we'll get to in a minute and I, I tried to look outside the box a little bit um I went with wide receiver Raphael Williams Jr. coming out of Western Carolina like some other players we've highlighted maybe not coming over the competition might not directly translate he played two seasons put up some really good numbers had a total of 15 touchdowns over 1600 yards combined in two seasons I think he gives San Diego State their best chance to develop a, a go-to wide receiver again the qu- biggest question will be does it translate from western carolina to san diego state as we know the aztecs passing game has never really been a huge threat let's say they've they're definitely been a run first run second sometimes even run third team and they've excelled in that they found a quarterback that they like now it's how do we surround them with weapons williams isn't going to be the tallest guy out there he might be more of a, a speedy slot kind of guy they might be able to do some things with him to incorporate some jet sweeps or some screens or things like that use him in space make him dangerous reports out of you know when they signed him and maybe out of spring ball were were positive not saying that he's instantly going to become one of the top wide receivers in the conference but i think he can be a dependable guy who's going to stay on the field and produce for them kind of in that similar size of makai shaw who i believe is 510 175 so almost exactly yeah. the same size san diego state definitely kind of likes that slightly under sized but really good route running wide receiver really good hands so they're hoping Raphael Williams Jr. can be that guy the obvious choice which I'm sure most (laughs) of you are expecting is Cody Moon the linebacker coming over from New Mexico just incredible story you know unranked recruit stayed home went to New Mexico walked on as a nose tackle ended up playing a lot as a linebacker and he developed into one of the biggest rising stars at the linebacker position in this conference over the two seasons he had almost 150 tackles, 11 TFLs, and five sacks. Uh, he's got a nose for the ball. He just always seems to be in on the play when it's happening. Pretty solid in coverage, even though he's not the fastest, but he certainly causes some problems on the passing side of the ball. He's a great tackler. He's going to be the week one starter at one of those linebacker spots for the Aztecs, and he's certainly a guy that a lot of people think that in a more solidified program with San Diego State that he could take even that next step and he could even push like a defensive player of the year caliber not locking that in as my choice for defensive <laughs> player of the year he has that potential if he can take even another step past what he's already shown no i completely agree i think moon is going to take an already good san diego state defense what's traditionally a good san diego state defense and, and make it even better now two things to add to what you said jack one is i'm kind of curious to see if his numbers drop a little bit because there'll be other guys who are able to make plays moon see less tackles because there might be 
less opportunities because guys aren't getting past the defensive line or other linebackers are able to come in again not saying that he's going to be a bad player for them but just he doesn't have to do it all like maybe he had to do in the Lobos defense but the thing that works in his favor is the Lobos and the Aztecs run the same 3-3-5 defense so the transition period should be slim to none right he mm-hmm. should know the scheme know what's expected of him in his linebacker position and should be able to excel from day one so I yeah I expect big things for him I just want to say it might not look exactly like it did last year at New Mexico mm-hmm. on the stat line all right on to San Jose State with Brent Brennan <laughs> For the Spartans here, I did go with a big name guy, a former four-star recruit from California. That's cornerback DJ Harvey, standing at 5'11", listed around 185 pounds. So he's coming from Virginia Tech. He played in 11 games over the past two seasons. Had some stats. Stats are always a little misleading when you're playing cornerback, I feel like. You're not usually going to rack up a ton of tackles. Interceptions are kind of feast or famine, depending on are they throwing your way a lot, are they not? A guy who... didn't play a ton in his two seasons, but from what I read, a lot of people thought he was going to get on the two deep next year, thought it could be a breakout season for him in 2023. So looking for that breakout season to happen with San Jose State now, I think he's pretty versatile. He can return some punts as well. So I might see him doing that for, for San Jose State. They've had good defenses. I know they need to rebuild on the on the edges, but I'm thinking Harvey comes in and locks down one of the cornerback spots. Yeah. You can never go wrong with getting a transfer that's just got a ton of just overall talent that can do a lot of different things. So you can plug him in. You can plug him in at corner. He's going to give you some good reps at corner. You can also get him to return some kicks. He'll help you out there. One of those guys that's just going to impact the game in a lot of ways for the Spartans. So it was kind of hard to pick another guy here. I ended up going with a guy who's not even going to be the starter. It is Quali Conley from Utah Tech, a running back. He's a junior. He's 5'10", 207 pounds, and he had a very, very impressive career in his two seasons with Utah Tech. In his 27 games, he had 1,700 rushing yards, 13 rushing touchdowns, and he also had 450 receiving yards and three receiving touchdowns. So he's a guy that's versatile. He's kind of in that in-betweener mold where he's a bit short, but he's still over 200 pounds, so he still can run you over. I haven't been able to find a ton of film on him, but at least just looking at the stats, he's a guy that should be able to contribute, and I can't wait to see him play for San Jose State. Kyrie Robinson will be the running back number one but he is in the last year of his eligibility so maybe if Conley can really establish himself as a very solid runner he could be getting the majority of the reps next year as well the one thing I'll add is that you're right he likely won't start unless there's an, an injury or something but the Spartans have shown in over the past couple of years they do kind of like to have maybe a, a solid number two maybe kind of like a two-third one-third carry split looking at Robinson's stats over the last year so last year he had 157 rushing attempts but the two years before that 2021 he only had 64 2020 was a was a shortened season only in eight games he had 82 attempts so they're not a traditional like one back bell cow kind of style so i think we could see Connolly have a really decent amount of carries be a, a very pronounced rb2 so let's go down to the strip with barry odom <laughs> Again, I'm, I'm kind of going high profile, I guess, here. Mainly because when I was looking at 
UNLV's transfers, they brought out a lot of transfers as they needed to with a, a new coaching staff. A lot of people kind of left the program and playing time's up for grabs, right? It, it's hard to know who's really going to jump and assume some spots on either side of the ball. Coach Odom was able to secure a lot of bigger names. And I think one of the, the biggest was Jackson Turner, safety coming from Arizona. Probably the surest bet to be a day one starter, projecting him as a plug and play guy on defense at one of the safety positions. Put up 158 tackles in his four seasons at Arizona. Yeah, I think he can do a little bit of everything in terms of tackles for loss, not just sack, got some interceptions, forced some fumbles. Again, I'm kind of looking at when you're building, right, or rebuilding in this case, Turner's going to be a guy you can put in a spot on defense at one of the safety positions and not have to worry about him, right? So you might be a little unsure of this position, that position, safety, you're saying, okay, we're we're set. Yeah, and Jackson Turner, just a huge addition because he has already proven he can use a power five level strong safety. And then you acquire him, get him to come down to Las Vegas. And he's certainly going to have, I think, a very solid year. So I went with a power five pickup on the offensive end. It was a guy from Arkansas, obviously, where Barry Odom came from. It is redshirt sophomore guard Jalen St. John, a former four-star recruit from St. Louis. And he's going to get a shot to be an every down lineman here for the Rebels. Obviously, Barry Odom had to see something he liked when he saw him work in practice every day. Over his three seasons in Fayetteville, he played in 13 games, never started any, but he didn't really reach his full potential. He's a big frame at six foot five, 330 pounds, and he's a guy that could certainly burst onto the scene, maybe make an all-Mountain West team if he plays very well, if he really stands out like his high pedigree as a recruit would suggest he's able to. This is going to be his first time starting over a full season, so we'll see how he handles that workload durability-wise as well. Right, next we got Utah State looking at the Aggies. Again, I was looking at this list and I, my mind was a little trained from two years ago when Coach Anderson brought in a lot of players who ended up playing key roles on that Mountain West championship team, although they weren't a lot of big names at the time. In hindsight, right, if we were doing a, a hindsight podcast, we'd be looking at a lot of names as guys who really produce. But I'm looking at Washington State linebacker Gavin Barthiel. That's right. Yeah, Sorry, yeah. Gavin. Sorry, Aggie fans. This was a guy I remember Coach Anderson talking about in a signing day press conference. Going to be a redshirt sophomore, still has a lot of football left. The plan was, back in the winter, was for Gavin to come in, get on the 2D, play behind two established starters. Yeah, kind of develop that, marinate a little bit. Problem with that is AJ, one of the starting linebackers, decided to transfer. That was kind of shocking after spring ball. Now I would imagine Gavin's probably being thrust into a larger role. Maybe a starting role or definitely maybe like that kind of primary backup and where he's coming in so they believe in his talent I I know they think his best days are ahead of him I know they want to develop a little bit they might have to develop him a little quicker now but I'm really interested to see what he can do when he gets on the field in a perfect world you would certainly hope that Barthiel becomes MJ Tafisi's running mate you know it's kind of a trial by fire so there may be some hiccups along the way but he's certainly got all the talent in the world and you know Blake Anderson's very good at developing those glue guys those guys that really take that roster to another level because of their consistent 
play. And, you know, you would hope that Barthiel is going to be one of those guys. So I went on the offensive end for Utah State, and I went with Stanford wide receiver Colby Bowman. He was a former four-star recruit, a former top 100 recruit out of California. He did stay in state, go to Stanford, and over his four seasons, only played 12 games, only had seven catches, so didn't really do too much. But he was very highly touted out of high school. He had, quote, game-breaking speeds at kind of track speed. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be that fast when he gets on the field, but I would expect him to have great speed. He's got really good size at 6'2", 200 pounds. Just didn't all come together at Stanford. I didn't do a ton of research, so I'm not sure if it's because of injury or if he was just not able to crack the rotation for whatever reason. Colby Bowman is obviously a guy that's got a lot of potential. Obviously, Utah State is a team that's looking for more help on the offensive side. Obviously, Terrell Vaughn, one of the best slot receivers in the conference, but it's not going to be just him. So if Colby Bowman can kind of develop into that number one X for them, then that's going to be huge for this Aggies offense. Easy to see him fitting into the Utah State offense, what we know the Utah State offense to be the past two years, and really excelling in kind of a a big play role, using his track speed to get down the field. When the Aggies have been at their best the past two years, they're very dynamic on offense, a lot of big plays, scoring quickly. Bowman seems to fit right in that mold based on his skill set. So yeah, I would imagine he's utilized a little bit better than he was in a Stanford offense. All right. And last but not least, let's go up to Laramie with the Wyoming Cowboys. All right. Well, we we both picked the same player here, so we can each take a turn talking about it. But Wyoming is not a program that's dipped into the transfer portal too much. I believe they only signed four people this cycle. Yeah, it's running back Harrison, Whaley. Wyoming, as as we all know, they are a run-first offense. Everything about them is built to run. They're very old school. They utilize a fullback, great offensive lineman. Running backs really excel in their system. Harrison really excelled at Northern Illinois last year, so I think this is a perfect blend of opportunity with proven production. I think a lot of the players we've discussed so far have been one or the other, right? We see how they fit in the system or we've seen how they produced in other areas. This is a, a situation where both are going to happen and could be even better than than his production at Northern Illinois the last few years. Yeah, Harrison Whaley is certainly a guy that a lot of media guys expect to be one of the stars of the conference this year. While there's some question marks on Wyoming on the offensive side and, you know, to Defensively, the secondary is kind of the weak point over there. What we know is Wyoming is going to run the ball and they're going to run the ball well. You know, you have a guy that's really quick and elusive in DQ James, but he's only 5'7". So you bring in a guy like Harrison Whaley, who's a proven bell cow, who's a proven home run hitter. And I think he's going to be phenomenal for the Cowboys. It seems like Wyoming every year has a 1,000 yard back. So it'll be interesting to see if he can reach that pedigree or if he can even exceed it and, you know, become a star that, you know, Wyoming really hasn't had before at the running back position. I know Wyoming likes to rotate. You know, while they do have a bell cow, they also mix some other running backs in because they run so much. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how many yards you actually get. Very projectable in this offense, right? We've seen what they can do. It's almost like Air Force where it's a little bit plug and play in terms of like most people, not not discounting any of their skill, but the system just able to, to excel in their roles there at running back. All right, Jack, as we close out, how about 
about we kind of wrap this up by each picking one transfer on each side of the ball, offense and defense, that we think will make the biggest impact in the Mountain West this year? Sounds great. I'll go first on the offensive side of the ball. I'm going to go Sean Dollars. I think that if you assume that everybody on this list stays healthy, at 100%, there may not be a better running back in the conference than Sean Dollars. Obviously, we didn't see a ton at Oregon. We know that dynamic runner is in there, and we know that when he's on the field, he's really hard to stop. So I think he's going to get, if he stays healthy for a 13-game season, he's probably going to get 1,300 yards. He's probably going to get double-digit touchdowns, and he's probably going to win some games for Nevada, too. But of course, you know, him staying healthy is a bit of a question mark. And then on the defensive side of the ball, I'm going to go Cam Stone with Hawaii. I guess the theme with my choices is teams trying to take that next step and stars that are certainly going to try their best to help them do that. Cam Stone going to be a guy that's almost certainly an all-Mountain West selection at the end of the season. One of the best corners in the entire conference, probably between him and Cam Lockridge. For a team that's really just looking for anchors to build their program around, Cam Stone, even though he hasn't played a single snap for Hawaii, he's already clearly one of those cornerstones. So I'm very excited to see what he does for Timmy Chang and the Rainbow Warriors. Although I'm picking two different players, I'm kind of picking them for similar reasons. So on offense, I'm going with Harrison Whaley. Yeah, kind of same reason. I think running back, we know they're going to put up yards being the focal point of the offense. We're assuming health here as always, because we can't predict injuries. Yeah, easy to see him really producing, um, being the focal point of Wyoming's offense there at running back. And then on defense, I'm going with linebacker Cody Moon. I think it's interesting we both went with proven Mountain West players on defense. We know the kind of production that they can give because they've already done it. I think Cody Moon, kind of the safe player who still has the ability to make a big impact, right? So we already know he has a very high floor and his ceiling could be even bigger with the Aztecs, but it's easy to see him producing this year and making a big impact. That's it for episode two of Hikes Peak. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure to rate us five stars wherever you are listening. Follow us on Twitter at MWC Connection and check out the website For all your Mountain West news needs, find that at mwcconnection.com. See you next Tuesday for another episode of Hikes Peak. Mike, thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, it was fun. Can't wait to be back. This is Jack Thompson signing off. Enjoy your life.